You're listening to The Building Code, your guide for a better way to run your business. I'm Tom Houghton. <laughs> I'm Paul Worth, surprised as ever of the intro. <laughs> you keep changing them on me. Well, you know, that's what you said. 2020, let's change it up. So that's what I we're like doing. I like that one. Oh, good. Thanks. I don't think I could ever pull off the intro like you do. You get into like your... your <laughs> I just go somewhere. You go to a different place. And then I come back. And you come back to the real Tom. Exactly. All right. Speaking of the real Tom, let's meet the real Mike. Mike Cheatham is joining us, co-owner of Movable Roots. Uh, He's got a massive following on Instagram, so we're sure you probably know about Mike. But Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for being here, Mike. Mike, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to your company? But first, we always like to ask people where they came up with a name for their business. So why don't you start there and then give us a little background on, on Movable Roots. All right. So the name from the business, basically, uh, you know, we started looking at the tiny home space about three and a half years ago. And, you know, initially we weren't necessarily looking to start a business. We were looking to uh, build a uh, home for my wife and I. And, you know, Hmm. kind of at a point in our life where we were like, you know what, like we've had we've had the big house, we've had you know, a a lot of different kinds of, uh, experiences. Why don't we start looking at kind of trimming down and and do a lot more traveling and and things like that. So, uh, when we started looking at the space, obviously, um, tiny homes are movable and, um, you know, we wanted the, the word home to, to really kind of, to fit into our name. And, And we didn't want to use the word home necessarily, uh, so, you know, that's where the word roots kind of came from is, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, plant some roots here with a tiny home and we might pick it up and move it and plant some roots here uh, a couple months down the road. So, uh, kind of the idea of, of movable roots, uh, the name right there. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're, this is a good, that's a good segment we have. Cause everybody's got a good story about where they can, most people do. Yeah. Unless it's Jim's home. We, we get it, Jim. We get it, Jim. <laughs> you ran out of ideas. Well, why don't you give us a background on your company a little bit more? Tell us, uh, you know, who's involved in, in doing the work and uh, what it looks like. Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of start uh, of the beginning. My um, my brother and I basically started in construction as kids. Uh, our dad was a general contractor. He owned a uh, remodel business uh, in Arizona. And we pretty much, uh, like I tell people, grew up with hammers in our hands. We were, you know, helping him whenever, you know, he needed help. And just kind of what I feel like construction and building was in our blood. And it just came kind of second nature to me. So uh, out of high school, I jumped into a framing crew, started framing uh, with, a, with a crew here locally in Florida. And from there, ended up opening our own framing company and construction company and for many years uh did uh, a lot of framing a lot of building homes uh for quite a few years up until the market crash in roughly what 2008 uh 2009 time frame uh florida really really especially where we're at in florida took a took a real hit from you know the market crash because not only did we have the market crash at that time but NASA, if you remember, also shut down. And we're within 45 minutes of, of NASA. So we had this kind of market trend fall, plus a, a bunch of people kind of leaving the area. And, and so new construction, which is what we were pretty much uh, involved in at that time, kind of uh, fell to the wayside. So 
we kind of picked up our uh, egos and our sorrows and said, you know what, let's try something different. And, and we went kind of different ways, got out of construction for a while and started kind of jumping into a, a whole nother realm. We had, we had started CrossFitting at the time and, oh. and believe it or not, started a, uh, a company where we were building CrossFit equipment. Wow. And yeah, so we were still building, still designing, you know, just a completely different kind of thing. Uh, and, and we opened a couple of CrossFit gyms and, and kind of went a completely different direction and, and started kind of down that road, um, for, for quite a few years. And, and I think that part of our life is really what started us kind of looking at the, you know, smaller footprint, kind of healthier life, kind of, you know, big picture of, of, you know, uh, of the world in a, in a, in a different way, kind of. Uh, creating a, a, a smaller um, space that we need uh, to live in rather than these huge 3,000, 4,000 square feet that we're all paying to clean and AC and, and everything else. And we're only using a, a small section of it. Right. So, so we kind of got to the point where we had kind of had enough of a little bit of the CrossFit uh, equipment world. We were really competing against a major, major kind of competitor that we could never really truly compete with. So, uh, ended up having to kind of break away from that. And at that time is when my wife and I were, were looking to kind of go down the, the road of, of going tiny. And so my wife and I were doing, you know, some traveling and, and went to a couple of tiny home shows, went and visited a couple of tiny home builders. And at that time, really all I was seeing was uh, kind of the original, uh, what I call the log cabin kind of look tiny home with no main floor master bedrooms, right? They all had, they were all about 24, maybe 28 feet long and you, they all had loft bedrooms. And so my wife and I were like, Hey, you know, that's not really going to work for us. I'd, I'd, you know, much rather have a main floor master bedroom. Um, so we started doodling and sketching and, and, you know, figuring out what we wanted to do. Uh, as far as a design and uh, then came kind of buying a piece of property, right? So we went to, uh, we bought a piece of property. Again, the whole idea was, Hey, let's, let's find a piece of property that, um, you know, maybe we spend a little bit more money on, but it's got like an amazing view, right? So we're here on, on the East coast of Florida. Uh, there's a little bit of an intercoastal here. So, we found a piece of property that was, you know, on the water and we were like, hell, hell yeah, let's buy, let's buy this piece of property and we'll put this tiny home on it. Right. Makes so, sense. yep. So bought the piece of property and then found out we couldn't put a tiny home on it. <laughs> Why not? So, oh, man. Yeah. You think we maybe would have done a little, uh, due diligence there. <laughs> no? Guess. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. happened? So, so again, kind of going into, some of the barriers of entry for tiny home people, right? So people that are looking to kind of have a tiny house on wheels or, or potentially kind of uh, have that smaller footprint. The issue that we had with this piece of property was that there was a minimum uh, square footage requirement for the piece of property. So our tiny homes really are only roughly about 300 square feet counting main floor, you know, living square footage. And so that didn't meet the 750 minimum square footage. So kind of a big wall that we kind of ran into there, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we approached my brother and, and my brother, you know, had a very successful business. Uh, 
he uh, runs a um, office supply company down in, in um, Lake Worth in Green Acres area uh, called Supplies Now. And uh, I approached him and I said, hey, bro, like I'm thinking about getting back into construction, but I want to do it different. And we've been looking at this tiny home space. You know that we wanted to build a, a, a tiny home for you know the piece of property and you know kind of the issues that we've had there. But I said, there's a huge demand for these tiny homes. And the interesting thing about the market is they're on wheels. So I'm not necessarily you know, bound to, uh, central Florida for these, I can have them, you know, shipped all over the U S. So we really kind of did a little bit more due diligence on the space and decided to kind of jump in, you know, two feet, uh, you know, full on, uh, tiny home builders. And, and from there is, is we built our first home. Uh, my brother and I pretty much built it all together. He would come up here on the weekends and, and help me when he could. And, and uh, uh, my wife and I would work during the week. And that first model we named after our, our older brother who had passed away. And we named it after his middle name, the Henderson. Oh, nice. And so nice. the two, yeah, the two, 2017 was when we kind of broke ground with movable roots. And uh, uh, we took that model. And basically, it was the model that we were kind of playing around with building for ourselves, right? Because we had mm-hmm. already spent all this time kind of sketching it and saying, like, hey, we feel like the space is kind of missing this, right? So we built uh, we built a very kind of high-end um, tiny home. And, and that was kind of our thought process in it, too, guys, because was, you know, if I only need 300 square feet of flooring, why not buy some really mm-hmm. nice flooring, right? And, and you know, some of the stuff that you would probably never buy uh, for your, you know, three to 2,000 square foot house, you know, because just, na- you know, now that price just gets crazy on, on that square footage. So we kind of went into that build with that idea was that, you know, hey, if it's, let's kind of go for that kind of higher end uh, fit and finish and, and quality of work. And, and design homes that are functional, right? Like people love the idea. They watch the shows and they, and they see Tiny House Nation and, and all this stuff on, on different channels. And, you know, the, the idea of it is great. But then when you really start to think about downsizing your life, you know, in a 365-day-plus time frame, you know, you really need to kind of figure how that space is going to work for you and your family, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I have so many questions. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I have so many questions about <laughs> to, the, the tiny style. Yeah, to to bring yeah. to sum it up though, what your business is offering is a really high end product and a small form factor. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, we we've kind of gone that higher end, custom uh, design uh, tiny home. You know, because mm-hmm. going back to my previous comment, like we when we were looking for a tiny home really the only thing that builders were offering was maybe a portfolio of 10 like model options. Right. And so we had to kind of fit into or find something that fit in that at most uh, 10 kind of options. And, and we really couldn't find anything. And our experience now in the space is that most people that are really looking to kind of make this jump, and full-time kind of go tiny, uh, they, they really need that space to work for, for how their life works on a daily basis. Yeah, it actually correlates to uh, the normal 
home size category as well. I mean, you're seeing yeah. that from home builders going from the mansions down to, you know, normal size homes or even smaller square footage, but higher finishes. We just had a guest on talking about that. So it seems to make sense that that's just the trend here. Yep. Is going tiny the, the, the phrase we use? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the it's something that's kind <laughs> of a, it is kind of a, a catchy phrase. Like if, if you, you know, kind of think about the idea of, um, you know, the RV industry has that, that tagline, uh, go RV, right. And, and somebody along the way of, of tiny homes, uh, uh kind of dubbed that idea, you know, going tiny. So wasn't that a Matt Damon film recently though? Going tiny downsize. Downsize. Yeah. Yeah. He did, yeah, he did go. He did downsize. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. A little bit different. I mean, there's some similarities, yeah, but but different. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, didn't he downsize himself? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was more him than the Spo- spoiler alert there. But yeah. you know, so what what challenges? Uh, you know, I think a lot of builders that we work with obviously build traditional size homes. Is probably how I'd say that. Uh, what challenges do you face building in such a small uh, footprint? Uh, a lot of challenges, and it was a, a crazy learning curve on our first build. Right. So, you know, what I tell people in the residential world you know, we, we could have a plumber or an electrician kind of miss a chase line or a, or a drain line, uh, in the kind of rough end stage. And we could shift the wall, you know, a couple of inches to hide that mistake. And, and no one would ever know. It wouldn't really affect anything. If it was a bearing wall, obviously there's a, there's an issue there, but for the most part, you can shift things in a, in a general home and, and not, uh, and not really affect anything drastically, uh, in the build in a tiny home. We, if I move something a quarter of an inch, no lie, the couch might not fit. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So our, our precision has to be, um, like just, just dead on our plans have to be well thought out and, and, you know, before we even break ground and start building our trailers, we we've got everything outlined and figured out where it needs to be. If you think about what we're doing, you know, we're, we're basically a residential home uh, with two by four exterior walls uh, on top of a trailer. So we've got all of those residential style home products inside it, like all of our electrical rough in all of our plumbing rough in, all of our mini splits, uh, you know, the mini splits have the AC uh, chase lines that have to be run all into that three and a half inch space from one end to the other. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff kind of crammed into that that compact space. Yeah, that makes sense. That being said, are you building these um, in a factory then, in a like sort of a, a, a location that allows you to kind of manage everything, and you're and you're doing it all yeah, yourself. We, yeah, we are. So we, we, again, jumped both feet in. We, we got a warehouse. We said, you know what? We, we see a demand here. The fact that our uh, target market doesn't necessarily have to be Florida. We can reach and, and send homes to California. Um, you know, we're, we have a warehouse. We have uh, four full-time uh, employees. Uh, and my wife actually has come on full-time now. She handles all of our social media and uh, does an amazing job with our website and and literally keeps my schedule straight so <laughs> yeah she is doing an incredible job on your social media i'm looking at the pictures on instagram and if you're not following movable roots on instagram you can find them at movable underscore roots 
uh, on Instagram where they've got uh, some fantastic photos of their work. Uh, just really great to follow along with the progress. So make sure you give them a follow and uh, shout out to your wife on that. Great job. Yeah, man. She's, she's awesome with it. So she had a marketing background already. And so, you know, it was, we got to a point where we said, you know what, we just, we need somebody to kind of handle this for us. So, yeah. So you mentioned your target market a little bit, obviously not necessarily entirely being in Florida. Could you elaborate on that on who, who, who is your target market and where are they coming from and how far are you sending your product out into the world? So great question. So we actually have two ranges of kind of what seems to be kind of, uh, our, our market. So we have the, the younger kind of millennials um, who are either just getting out of college or getting going to college, starting their careers, but don't really want to jump into a $250,000, $300,000 mortgage. Uh, and, you know, but they still want to own, right? So we've got that kind of market and that, that kind of uh, uh, customer who's, who's also thinking that, you know what? I don't, I don't really need that much space yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready for that much space yet. Uh, and some of, uh, a lot of, I know my son, um, out of college, his job is, is somewhat transient, right? So his, some of these new, you know, sales jobs and marketing jobs that, you know, the companies are, are, are moving people, you know, fairly often. So, you know, you've got that kind of di- uh, demographic and then we've got, really we kind of skip the the you know full kind of family stage uh mainly because i do really think that uh, for the most part to go tiny and to live in that small of a space at least with a young toddler into kind of adolescence can be a little bit difficult so we've kind of got a little bit of a gap there in that demographic and then we go back to the empty nesters and a lot of the empty nesters are are really the bigger demographic that we have so we've got, uh, you know, those that are retiring that, you know, kids have just finished, gone to college and, and they're kind of on their own and they want to get rid of that house uh, that they've had uh, for the family and they want to either travel or they want to spend time in different parts of the U.S. So we've got homes in California, Montana, Texas, Florida, up the East Coast, Tennessee. So, you know, we've, we've had the ability to get, get some homes out there. And that's, that's just been phenomenal. That's awesome. Now I I, I don't want to derail the conversation. We have a data report that's out called working with digitally savvy homeowners in 2020. And I know that you mentioned millennials in terms of generations, you mentioned like some boomers in there that you're working with as well. And I know uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't checked it out, go to the link in the show notes, buildertrend.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe. Not well you, well, you can of course always subscribe. We love always. subscribers, Yes, but you can also download the report as well. I didn't, again, not completely derail the podcast, but make sure you check it out. Cause I think it definitely hits on some of those points that you were talking about. I'd love to shift the conversation away from that and maybe talk about some fun products that you would use in a tiny home. One of them specifically, there's a specific type of toilet, and I'm not even sure how to say the name of this toilet. An in- <laughs> incinolet? It's an incinerator. Yeah. It incinerates things. Is, right? that, is that basically yeah. what's happening? That's exactly what's happening. So I not all this. tiny homes, you know, have to use that, right? Because again, kind of going back to how the, the homes are used. So some, some people plan on traveling. Some RV parks uh, are very open to the idea of tiny homes coming in, right? So 
some people travel and they plan their travel around RV parks that they can go in and have full hookups. So they can have a standard flush toilet and all the other, you know, regular amenities of home, right? There's the other demographic of tiny home goers that want to be completely off grid. Uh, they don't want to, uh, they want to boondock. They want to kind of be uh, off the beaten path and, and do their own thing, right? So, in that case, you, you have to think about, well, what happens to the, you know, Blackwater kind of scenario for I'm living here, right? I got I to gotta, I gotta do the deed, right? That has to go somewhere. And a, and a majority of these tiny homes don't really have tanks like an RV. So they don't have our, uh, like gray or Blackwater tanks because they are really designed to kind of go into that uh, location that has the hookups ready for them and kind of spend an, uh, more of an extended period of time there. I call it snowbird, kind of that six, seven months to a year kind of time frame. So those that really want to be more off grid, they go to either a composting toilet which you have to add an additive to it. And you it's basically a toilet that, without kind of getting too crazy with it, basically has a bucket inside it. And uh, the urine is diverted, but the number two is kind of collected into this bucket with this additive. And then you have to use that in a kind of composting, gardening kind of scenario. So not everybody is into uh, composting or green thumb wants to be out there kind of growing tomatoes. So the other option is this incinolate toilet. And we actually just used it in one of our, our, our newest builds. And we got to meet the uh, owners of the company and they were super cool. And they basically pretty much told us that it's, it's at a level of sanitation that the Coast Guard uses them on ships to the point where they can actually dump the waste uh, into uh, the ocean uh, when it's done, it basically burns all of the uh, all of the waste uh, to an ash, and that ash can just then just be put into the trash, right? There you go. And that's talking potty talk. Yeah, there's yep. there's a lot of toilet humor. We won't stoop that low or go down that drain, but you know. <laughs> We'll, we'll move on. Yep. So thanks for sharing your your industry experience with that uh, area, I'm sure. Yeah. So the listeners probably got a kick out there of was that. Definitely, there was definitely some learning curves on that side of the job as well. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> to wrap up, what's the next phase look like for you uh, in your business or in tiny homes? You know, what what's the future look like? You know, we, we have two major barriers, uh, you know, for point of entry for uh, tiny home goers, right? The two major ones are what we experience personally. The, the land isn't allowing uh, me to do what I want, right, on my own piece of property. I've got some restrictions by local zoning and, and regulations, right? And then financing. Financing can be a little bit tricky, too, because it's just, it's just such a new, somewhat emerging market as far as banks and, and financial um, institutions looking at them as options uh, to finance. So we have kind of created a, a relationship with a bank that is willing to finance them, but we still have that other kind of, you know, kicker where it can be kind of difficult to set up uh, at, in a location that, that you want to be set up in. Right. So we've done some things we've got on. Uh, we're, uh, I was asked to be on a uh, on the board of the tiny house uh, industry association. Um, who has uh, really been trying to do some things nationwide in getting into 
uh, state and local governments and really kind of starting to uh, address the ideas of affordable housing and, and you know, uh, allowing kind of more options and, and breaking down the code uh, and saying, you know, why can't this work on this piece of property or in this general area? Mm-hmm. So we've kind of been helping with that. We actually did um, help quite a bit here locally. And even though our specific piece of property, we cannot uh, still put a tiny home on just yet. Uh, we were uh, kind of instrumental in helping some of the local codes change here uh, to allow tiny homes on some other areas in our kind of county. So that's been a huge thing for us as well. But really, to be honest, some of the biggest things that we're looking at doing is is more of that kind of prefab modular um, kind of manufacturing where we can still build on a very modern, high-scale, small footprint but the kind of transport and the setup uh, would be more would be different. So the transport would, you know, uh, it would still travel on somewhat of a trailer, but it would be designed to be removed from the trailer and set on a permanent foundation. And that in some ways fixes some of those barriers, right? So I can send two units out and, and combine them to meet some of the smaller minimum square footages. And in the minute I place them on a foundation, I can, you know, help the customer get a get a mortgage as well. So we've kind of got some big big ideas and big picture things that we're looking to transfer into in the next couple of years. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, it would be a good to mention one of our partnerships with Rocket Loans. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I am actually very so, interested, very familiar with them. So, so as the Builder Trend users know who listen, we have a set of uh, pro services. So these these are these programs that we have partnered with. Ah. Uh, other companies outside of Builder Trend to offer some benefits to our clients. So they're included in part of your subscription. So we have a Rocket Loans one that allows you to seamlessly offer financing to yeah, yeah. your clients. And so definitely something to check out for that for one of those barriers. But that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you guys have, uh, you know, doing it for a couple, three years now, Mike. Is that right? Yes, sir. You guys got some nice momentum. Looks like you guys got some good plans for the future. So congrats to you, man. It's pretty cool. Thank you, you know, Builder Trend has been a lifesaver for us as well. You know, it was initially introduced to us from uh, another tiny home builder. And when I realized what the uh, system could do, it worked so great in our business model, right? Because, again, mm-hmm. our customers aren't necessarily here, right? right. Yeah, so exactly. we have a build out in California where we never met the people, you know, the customers until it was time for final walkthrough. They flew out, they did their final walkthrough, but the entire build process, they were able to map and, and, and you know, n- communicate through their, their customer portal with us, with all their pictures and videos and all the different stages of the build. So uh, Builder Trend has been amazing for us and our customers in the entire process. Yeah, that's a great use case. You that's could say awesome. that we've you could say that we've cornered the tiny home market. Ooh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Real, real good market for us. It's good, awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your experience in the industry. We, of course, wish your business all the best in 2020 and moving forward. And thanks for spending some time with us today. No problem. We really appreciate the opportunity, and and thank you so much for having us on. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Love what you heard? Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.